and welcome to the Supergirl Supercast, back from an extended hiatus since May of last year. I am Trishy Matson. I'm David Schaub. I'm Brianna Toiber. I'm Alan Yu. And today we are discussing Season 6, Episode 1, Rebirth, which is actually sort of the retooled was supposed to be finale of last year, but COVID threw everything off, of course. So a lot of us had a lot of remembering to do. (laughs) Except for me, because I literally just got caught up last week because COVID threw everything off. Yes, yes, indeed. David, you'll need to help us all with a detailed recap. Oh my. Dreamer finds Brainy and leads the heroes who use the anti-life equation to defeat Ganymai. Lex plans to enslave half of humanity, explode the other half's heads, and give himself the powers of Leviathan. The heroes split up after much exposition. John opens his soul to McGann so they can destroy the head-exploding satellites. Kelly steals the I Love Lexi code from Obsidian so that Brainy and Lena can reverse it with Myriad. Supergirl sacrifices herself to Lex as a distraction. Alex and Dreamer go to the Luther hideout to steal the Leviathan bottle so that Lena can make Jaranpurium to de-immortalize Lex. Also, even William write an expose on why Lex sucks, and Andrea uses Akrata to steal her father's wealth to save her position at Catco. Alex and John give each other great pep talks, and John gives Alex the superhero name Sentinel. Brainy and Nia have a heart-to-heart, and it looks like they're working it out. It all works out, but Supergirl is lost to the Phantom Zone, where some creepy humanoids surround her. Lena uses Myriad to wipe Supergirl's identity from Lex and Lillian's minds. Maybe Otis's too? So much happened. Yes. Yeah, I had a counter for how many times I was like, okay, then that happened. And I think I got up to like nine or ten that episode. (laughs) They had a lot of loose ends and a lot of this is an ensemble show and we have to make sure everyone has a little moment. And boy, did they get them all in there. And a lot of them were really good moments. But boy, there was a lot. (laughs) To be fair, I think there was two or three episodes supposed to be left of the season, so they had to squish a lot into there, so it makes sense. They did a good job. There was a lot going on. I think they did only ever intend to do 20 episodes last season, Mm. so I think all of this was roughly according to plan. I don't know if this is different than the finale would have looked like had they actually been able to finish it before COVID. We'll never really know the answer to that, except maybe by interviews. It held together and was about what I expected. Yeah. Yeah, they maybe had to stuff a little extra, even more than it was already stuffed with, because this was a season opener as well as a really a season ender. I'm kind of amazed that they managed to get as many personal moments in as they did. Yeah. Also, there was a point where Lex's power almost rivaled his ego. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The bit with him singing and playing We Are the Champions as he I loved that. Laid bombs and blasted guns was a bit over the top, but then again Lex is supposed to be kind of over the top. That made me really happy. I don't know. I think Queen deserves more than Lex. And we can get into this later but I don't think they've mentioned the phrase anti-life equation before on this show and that immediately made me think of the four hours I spent watching the Snyder Cut of Justice League, (laughs) which had a similar issue with this in that the Snyder Cut 
try to compress four movies into four hours. And here you have a similar problem where you have a lot of loose ends to tie up across different storylines and you try to make it work in the same product. Now, why I think it works better in this show versus the Snyder Cut is that we know these characters and we care about them. And so they have that going for. I think I agree with there being strong character moments. John Cry is having a lot of fun playing Lex Luthor. I'm always here to watch Alex and Carwish's relationship play out. We have a lot of good moments with Lena as well. And so I think that even though they have a lot of stuff to put into 40 minutes, and so it feels like it's not always entirely coherent, this does have the advantage of there being really good actors playing characters that we do care about. And so I think it, it largely kind of works here, where I can't say the same for the Snyder Cut. Yeah, I certainly would not recommend this episode for someone who's heard about Supergirl and thought, maybe this season I'll try it. Oh, no. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Do not jump in on this episode. (laughs) I do have one comment about the program equation thing. I think, if I'm remembering correctly, that's what Brainy had just uploaded to a different place, and that's what allowed him to bottle the others, I think. Or he had it with him, and it was something that they were going to use... To kill Leviathan? The anti-life equation is usually a big dark side plot. In a lot of media, dark side is always the one trying to find the anti-life equation and destroy the universe because he's, well, horrible. And it was what was planned to be used to de-immortalize the Leviathans so that they could be killed. But Brainy didn't want to do that. Because he thought that was playing into Lex's plan. Yeah, so he decided to shrink them instead. But then Ganymai wasn't shrunk, so they gave up and had to use the anti-life equation on Ganymai, who was taken out pretty pretty easily, though I do really love her techno-rendered crazy hair body. It's, it's just wonderful. That was great. Taken out by USB thumb drive. <laughs> One created by a Martian device, which has basically proven it can do anything necessary. Also, the fact that Sheik was able to create a thing that had the program on it. We never saw that actually being put on there. It just magically had it. <laughs> My note related to Ganymai was, that would unexpectedly terminate her. Yeah, they're really lucky that Supergo plugged the thumb drive in the right way the first time and didn't have to reverse <laughs> it, which is a very common problem with USB thumb drives, as I'm sure people are aware. It was a different kind of thumb drive, though. It was an alien thumb drive, because aliens actually have it together on making those to where you don't have to sit there like, how does this fit? Well, my hand wave on that is that if it's Martian technology, Martians are shapeshifters, and they just kind of automatically, without even think about it, build in adaptability to all their devices. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Either way, it's basically a great sonic screwdriver that solves or explodes anything that they need to. (laughs) Exactly! (laughs) That is a good point. I kind of want one now. Speaking of Martians, the thing with Wigan and John was cool, but one thing that I thought is, I imagine what they did with the binding and the consciousness would take a lot of focus. Mm -hmm. So how is she able to keep up the green Martian appearance? Or am I forgetting something in her story? Mm. Oh, right, because she's a white Martian. Mm. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or it could just be that's just like a subconscious thing. She doesn't even have to think about it anymore. I've started running a tabletop game, so that's something that I would have put <laughs> some consequences in there, made my players do a couple of rolls, make them sweat a little bit. We have not seen the consequences of that action. There's lots of heart-to-hearts about John not sure he can do this binding thing because it will bear so much of his soul to Megan. Megan doesn't seem to have any of these concerns, but maybe that's just a John thing. But we haven't seen the consequences of that action, so hopefully in later in the season, but we'll hopefully see some consequences for the binding, even if it really made no sense that that succeeded in blowing up all the satellites. But hey, it did it. I think it spent the requisite amount of plot on that. <laughs> I didn't really want to see yeah. a lot more technobabble about it. Well, it's the emotional consequences I'm waiting for. Yeah, okay. Another thing I feel like is going to have consequences is the fact that Kara just straight up gave Lex the coordinates for the fortress. I'm like, honey, even if you do smack him back down to being immortal again, he's still going to know where that is. And he's still dangerous. Maybe, but maybe Myriad wiped that as well. So we we don't know. Like the writers can do basically whatever they want. We've partially reset Lex. And for the rest of the season, we'll see how the show decides to use him. I'm just glad we have at least one character that actually thinks things through and is practical. (laughs) We've got the one and she's back on our side now. I did quite like what they did with Lena in this episode. We had begun the reconciliation toward the end of last season. We had a little more discussion about Lena's feelings toward Kara again this time. But I think a really crucial moment was when Lena found out that Alex had been keeping the secret of Kara's identity from Kelly. That really showed to Lena, you know, it's not that Kara did not trust you, Aluthor. It's that they were drawing lines for a lot of people as to who knew what. And I think that should also help going forward. I had entirely forgotten, and I think this is not the first time I have entirely forgotten that Kelly doesn't know. I think an earlier podcast recording, we discussed the fact that I had forgotten that Kelly didn't know. It's bizarre that this show works this way. (laughs) And William still doesn't know. Right. Yeah. Right. Just imagine his reaction. Yes, he thought Kara was in this whole thing with him all along. And then he finds out that she has not been. She went off to Washington to talk with Cat Grant about something. So it was nicely played how he reacted to that news. Yeah, he was sad. Yeah. His friend left. He was disappointed and slightly betrayed, maybe. <laughs> I'm interested to see what they're going to do now that Andrea believes in Catco as an investigative beacon once more. Where are they going to go with journalism in this season? <laughs> Also, the the way that she was able to save herself from going completely bankrupt right. was genius. <laughs> it wasn't just as much as, like, she stole her father's money. It was she bankrupted him and put all of that on him so she wouldn't have to deal with any of that. I'm like, honey, you're better off without him. Because <laughs> she's been trying to save him constantly for this entire season. Right. And yeah, at this point, she entirely throws him under the bus and that's okay with everyone. We saw her crying because her father had <laughs> accused her of being a failure. Blamed her for this is all your fault. And she's like, I right. did it for you. I think she has some justification for throwing him under the bus. About Kelly, it doesn't make sense because, I mean, she knows that Alex works for the DEO. She's seen Alex in costume. She knows Alex works with aliens. So I don't know how much more they're protecting her by not telling her that Kara is Supergirl. And so 
I hope that they do not draw this out for the rest of the remaining season as long as they drew out Lina not knowing Kara Subaka because with Lina it made no sense and with Kelly it also makes no sense. With William I can kind of understand because William is among all of them the most close to being a civilian in all of this. And also his instincts will be to tell things as an as a journalist whereas Kelly is used to yeah. confidentiality requirements. And in relation to that though she and Alex have only been dating for a couple of months and there's been a lot going on so that might be part of it because like she's still Mm -hmm. pretty new to the group but there's just the universe got rewritten and then all of that was going on so it could just be like she has to like sit down and have that conversation because that's a conversation (laughs) that's not just a oh hey by the way I still keep forgetting that the entire backstory for this TV show doesn't actually exist before the last Crisis episode. I know, that's so difficult. <laughs> I'm just so at a loss sometimes. Kelly still has James' shield, I think, doesn't she? Isn't she also uh, on the borderline of taking up the mantles of superhero-ness? Is she? I don't think so. I mean, she could be on the path, but I don't think so. Not from what I've seen and remember. It's possible, but she doesn't seem the person that's quite going to go through the midlife crisis James went through (laughs) to become Guardian. A very long midlife crisis, yes. Yes. Right. Kelly seems fairly satisfied in her work, whereas James was not. Her company just actually went bankrupt. She doesn't have a job now. Oh, she'll land on her feet. (laughs) She's friends with Lena. All it's feels Lena can help take care of her. Kelly has a lot of connections. She'll find another job. Yeah. Let's see. One thing... That I really enjoyed was the exchange between Lex and Lillian when Lex explained his plan to her. (laughs) He said, yes, you know, okay, the Leviathan is gone. Now I'm going to get rid of the Kryptonian and her friends. Then I'll get rid of the non-believers. Then once I've fixed this planet, I'll fix all the others like the Anti-Monitor failed to do. And Lillian is just like, hold on, what was that about (laughs) (laughs) non-believers? Yeah, one of my knocks on that is he's even more of a cliche. Mm -hmm. Right. He upgraded people's brains in perpetuity through the Obsidian program to I love Lexi. And Lillian says, that's very alliterative, dear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I still am not entirely sure what she was hoping to get out of all of that, unless she's just, maybe she had the fear of, if I don't make him happy, he might unwrite me. But also, like, what was she trying to get from all of that? She's an unbeliever. She's definitely a (laughs) non-believer. David, I thought you would particularly appreciate when Lex says, of course, I have a special doohickey just for you. (laughs) It's my new favorite word. Right. (laughs) Yes. So I was kind of expecting some kind of heel turn, or maybe it's an angel turn from Lillian, where having heard that Lex planned to kill half the population, that she might just turn against him. But that didn't happen. Maybe she just didn't have time. I do think it's interesting that she is so interested in saving Lena, though. It is one of these things where Lillian is a very strange person, Mm -hmm. but she's not as warped as Lex. Right. And even her stepdaughter, she still actively cares about Mm -hmm. in a way that Lex can't care about anyone. But what I really appreciated is Lex basically writes off the satellites, assumes the good guys are going to save Lena, and that solves that part of the problem, and then just moves on. (laughs) I love how he cuts his losses. Right. Mm -hmm. Even though his arrogance is going to get him, he at least tries to be tactical and wise at this point. And technically, to an extent, his plan works. He just forgot that Lena's also smart. (laughs) 
Okay, had we ever heard of Jaren Purium being like Kryptonian and able to remove their immortality? Like, was that ever a thing before this episode? I don't think so. No. no. I can sort of see a parallelism where Kryptonite kills Kryptonians, so Jaren, whatever it is. <laughs> Jaren Purium. So this might just be me not being familiar with comic books. That still doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I just kind of don't question it, but I'm like, that. Yeah, no, it's stealing the immortality. That didn't make a lot of sense. It did look visually cool. And another thing I had about that is we saw Lex checking Supergirl's pulse. I am pretty sure her heart did stop. Like, she was almost dead. And then however long later, she's perfectly fine. Dying is physically traumatic. <laughs> so she bounced back really fast from that. Yes. With a plan, though. I think what happened was that the Luther Protocol engaged from Lena, mm -hmm. and uh, some kind of robot came over and glowed yellow sun energy on Kara. And I think that's what revived her. But yes, I agree. She certainly looked very perky for not just a near-death experience, but apparently a death experience just a few minutes later. She was blasted with kryptonite until she wasn't breathing. Right. Basically was a version of the anti-kryptonite armor that has revived her pretty quickly in the past as well. That felt reasonably consistent. Maybe her heart had not quite stopped, or maybe her heart had just stopped for a moment, but the light was enough to jumpstart it again. It is always the problem where, in order for the heroes to live, the baddies always have to leave them assuming they're dead. Uh, what do you do? It's a comic book. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I would have liked to see them sort of, like, play into that or her not be, like, when she wakes up in the morning. Just, like, maybe have her stagger and just, like, show that that hurt. She's still standing, but that hurt. Well, she hasn't stood up in the Phantom Zone yet. True. <laughs> yeah, or they could send her another... Kryptonian defibrillator in the Phantom Zone. <laughs> they don't know where there she went. Yeah. Actually, when the... I'm just going to call it defibrillator. Like, when, when the thing came out, it reminded me of the Iron Man armor and how mm. Tony Stark made miniature versions. Mm -hmm. Maybe she should just carry pocket-sized versions of that with her at all times. <laughs> Seriously. Just, like, have it in a bracelet or something. Yeah, and then you could touch them and then, like, if you accidentally die, at least you have something to shine yellow sunlight on yourself. I also had not heard about whatever jar emporium or whatever that was being toxic i thought that the rule about fragments of planets being toxic to the inhabitants was only for kryptonite so that was also news to me i didn't know that 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 principle applied to anything other than kryptonite i believe that the leviathan people are also a sister planet mm -hmm. this is the thing where all these people keep coming from planets near krypton and i think this was also a bunch of people by krypton and who knows they may also like the daxonites even be distant relatives. So what do you do? These people just really don't like the body they're on. It's an allergy problem. <laughs> you put them on a planet and they just start disliking the planet. Oh, and also about Lex's plan. So he wants a world where everyone worships him, essentially. But I have to imagine someone of his intellect would find that world extremely boring. Like there's nothing to challenge him. It's kind of like how the Joker would find the world boring if he actually successfully killed Batman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think if Lex truly is as intelligent as he is, then 
a world where he is all-powerful and rules over all life would just not be interesting. I don't think he he really thought this through all the way. I'm sure he never does. But in this case, he does also want to go on to the next planet after that. And presumably there are a lot of planets. Yeah, less universes, but lots of planets. And I'm sure he would come up with something else he wants to do to the universe after that. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing is I, I liked how Lillian stood up or, or wanted Lex to not kill Lena. And I think she killed me first is a really good line. Yes. <laughs> One of many memorable lines from this episode. Yes. That was a beautifully delivered line. That and the moment when Lena punches Lex and then just looks at Alex and says, oh, sorry, did you want to do that? Yes, that was also one of the great lines. <laughs> that was one of my favorites. No, family first. I'm like, finally. Finally, she punches him in the face. Yeah. Yes, that was very enjoyable. I did think Alex was a bit detached where she just says, no, no, family first, which, yes, Lena is Lex's sister, but at the same time, her sister just got banished to the Phantom Zone, and she seemed a little cavalier in that moment, although later, you know, she refuses to play... Denial. Yeah. Denial is a powerful thing, <laughs> and also Lex has been making Lena's life a hell for much longer than he has Supergirl, so... Right. I think it was shock... Yeah, it didn't bother me a lot. It was just, hmm. <laughs> there are several family di dynamics going on here. Yeah. Yeah, and also when Lex said, careful, now he's mortal, he bruises easily. I mean, why would he think that they would care about him bruising at that point, I think? I think it's just more for Supergirl because... Even though she's out of the picture, her code presumably still influences her friends. And Kara tries very, very, very hard not to hurt, certainly not to kill humans. Yeah, Kara does. I'm not sure Alex does. <laughs> I mean, considering how much torture is involved in routine DU mm -hmm. operations, I'm sure she would have no problem like cutting off a limb or something from Lex. <laughs> Yeah, part of me thought it was just him being a drama queen. Always true. Yeah, that's how I took it. Also, I was minorly disappointed that his powers got taken that quickly, because I was like, this could be fun. Annoying, but fun. But also, who knows, he could be faking. Do we know how effective it was at actually stripping him of his powers? The writers could always have those powers come back if they wanted. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because we know he's really good at playing people, and he's always plotting something. Though now he probably has forgotten several of the details of his plot now that Lena wiped his mind. Yeah, I actually thought it was quite restrained. I, when Lena first showed up in that cell with Lillian and Lex, I thought for a moment that she was just going to do an island love Lena program on them. But no, according to her, at least, all she did was wipe their memories of Kara's identity. And all of their associates. And all of their associates. Which is a bit of a bit hand wavy for, okay, it's just, it's dealt with, it's gone. It is a little hard to imagine how she would reach across to Otis to change his memories without even being in the same room with him. Also, does Otis even know? Who knows? Otis is still a cyborg, isn't he? I don't even know. My response was, oh goody, Otis is back. I thought he was uh, basically a similar to the uh, cyborg Superman kryptonite powered robot at this point. Ugh. <sighs> Because he, he's been killed before and has been brought back before. I'm afraid I simply don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> also, his entire backstory is now changed, so we don't know. Right. Yeah, who knows? It's a valid point. We may just not know. And we don't know exactly what got wiped. 
the last place we saw Lena was her escaping with Otis. So is Lillian just visiting Lex in prison when Lena shows up? That's what I thought, because she was wearing a red power suit. She wasn't wearing prison pajamas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I still don't know what her game is. Right. Me neither. Because also, she is the same. He brought her back exactly like she was before. And I'm like, I don't know what you're playing at because I don't remember what you were playing at last time. It's tricky because her primary purpose is to tell Lex you're going to fail and lose because you keep making it so personal with the Kryptonians. And that was her job in this show. And she accomplished that job. And that's what happened. We'll see going forward to what they use her for. And she continues to be accurate in that statement. Yes, she is. (laughs) Yeah. Lillian had more agency in, was it the first season or the second, when she was actually a mover and a shaker. And it's a little disappointing that now her role is simply as a prop. I have some hopes that she could start doing stuff on her own with Lex in prison, but I fear that she'll merely focus on trying to get him out of prison. The conversation with Bernie and Lena was pretty good. It gives this nice scene where Bernie apologizes for everything and everything he apologizes for are things that Lena did wrong. <laughs> it was very cleanly and very efficiently written, I thought. Yeah, and Lena admits, you know, if there were a culpability award, I would win by a landslide. <laughs> that was definitely a nice little scene. Yeah, they they do have an unexpectedly nice dynamic, and I'm I'm really happy Brady and Nia are back together because they make me happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not perfectly back together. Brady completely admits to Nia that he made some bad choices, and she says, "Yes, you did, but I still care for you." And then later on, she actually says, "I love you." So yeah, they seem like they are heading in a good direction again. The way they both handled the, like, him admitting he was wrong and her saying, you did hurt me, and just both sides of that was very well done. Because mm-hmm. it was very mature. It didn't have any of the usual angst that goes with those situations. I think it was very well done. Also, they're cute. Nia has always been the emotionally mature character in the show. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Although seeing him not as intimidated has been very interesting. I questioned some of his choices and questioned the advice of the other brainy, but it's been interesting seeing him more himself. And him not being used for comedy relief, which is always nice to see. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Had he ever said I love you before to Nia? I don't recall hearing that. Mm. I don't think so. Yeah. At least not directly. Yeah. Yeah, he was doing the wrong ways of loving her, like whatever it was, breakfast in bed every day that she did not want. <laughs> way, way, way too much food. Right. <laughs> way too much of all of her favorite foods. Yeah. Which I thought was nice because, I mean, it shows character growth and emotional maturity on, on the part of Brady's character. So, right. yeah. you know, ni- nice to see that he's, as you all pointed out, developed beyond the point of just a joke. And now he is a more fully realized character on the show. We'll see what the next season gives us. I did want to ask one question and uh, see what people felt about the Sentinel scene where we see Alex got her superhero suit last time. And this time we get to see her getting a name. So she now has a superhero name and a sigil. And my question was, when we first saw the board with all the sigils on the wall in the hideout, I asked whether they were buttons. And was this the first time we've seen them being used as call buttons? I think so. Yes. I think so. It's still pretty new. Yeah, okay. So I was happy to, happy to see that we got confirmation that they're call buttons and we see that Alex now gets a call button on the wall too. I like 
her costume. I just have one thing about her disguise is I think you need more than just eyeshadow. Well, what for all of a queen, didn't it? To hide the fact that that's Alex. If you listen to the last podcast recording Trisha and I did, we were dying over this. <laughs> Yes. A hood and eyeshadow. Well, she doesn't even have a hood, does she? At least not an effective one. Partly because they were building it up as, I built a suit for you to help hide your identity, and that's it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it worked for all of Star City with disguising all of a queen's identity. Apparently a hood and eyeshadow is all you need. His hood was a lot more covery and shadowy than Alex's. Yeah. So a bigger hood. And he mostly operated at night right. in the shadows. It was like all kinds of dramatic. <laughs> it does look very nice, though, which I imagine will be really fun for cosplayers. Oh, it is great cosplay material. But also, like, honey, I don't know what you're trying to disguise, but right. anyone's going to recognize you. But this is also Supergirl, where Akara takes off her glasses and <laughs> true, true. I mean, we have to acknowledge that we live in that world where super identities are pretty easy to confuse people about. So I think we should have a quick chat about what people feel the next season's going to be like, our last season of the show. Melissa Benoist is pregnant, right? So maybe that's why the Phantom Zone uh, storyline is a good way to write around that. So maybe it'll be time for more of the uh, other characters to shine, which I, I really hope we get more of Alex and more of Lena. Right. There have been times before when we thought Supergirl would be gone for a while, and then it was only like one episode. I think the real-life dynamics may actually mean we get a few episodes of No Kara. And I'm okay with that because... I really like all these secondary characters here and uh, can hopefully see more of the re relationships developing between Megan and Jean, between Alex and Kelly, and between Brainy and Nia. Um, and I look forward to all of that. I am a little wary of what they're going to do with the uh, Andrea Catco investigative beacon stuff. <laughs> because they don't always handle journalism terribly well on this show. But they're definitely planning to do something with that. Yeah. Speaking of journalism, I do enjoy that William was like, there's a byline on my article. Like, it's also like, I'm sharing credit with Kara. I'm like, oh, look at him. Yes, that was very good. I liked that a lot. But then he got, got punched with, oh, by the way, she's not around anymore. <laughs> So, I mean, I don't think he'll be mad at her or try to take all the credit from now, but, uh, you know, it, it definitely hurt whatever was developing between him and Kara. Yeah. I am just so happy that we get an entire season where I don't have to be complaining about Lena Demption anymore. <laughs> that makes me just so happy. Yes. Well, they spent a long time working on it, and there were a few points where we thought things weren't fair or weren't handled correctly, but overall, I'm happy with where they have brought it to now. Yes. Yeah. Took a while, mm -hmm. but I'm happy with where it is. Given that this is the last season, I assume we're also going to have some type of conversation and return to Alex looking for a child. I don't know if she's had that conversation with Kelly yet, so I will be shocked if that is not brought back up again to try and find some type of closure on that plot element. I kind of want Kelly to bring that up, if anything. I wouldn't be surprised if that were just mentioned at the season finale when Alex and Kelly get close enough to finally decide to build a life together permanently. Yeah. We don't know how many episodes there are going to be in the last season, do we? I have not heard. It's supposed to be 20 episodes again. Okay. 
I kind of want to be done with Lex, but I also don't think we're going to be done with Lex. I agree. And do we know if Argo still exists or anything? Like, what all made it through? Because we saw Argo get destroyed, but there might have been another Argo that I have questions about things that made it through the reboot that we didn't have time to look at because the world was on fire. Right. And Lex Luthor was everyone's hero. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that they just haven't told us. And some of the things that they have told us about what made it through don't really make sense. Like my perennial complaint about Black Lightning, them saying he's in our continuity now, but no one from the Arrowverse ever seems to help him. And uh, I'm not quite caught up with Superman and Lois, but they never even gave Kara or Alex a call to say, well, how did you deal with this. So yeah, just because we've heard of something doesn't mean it's really being dealt with appropriately. And just because we haven't heard of something making it through the crisis doesn't mean it won't pop up again in an episode or two. And it's also possible that Superman and Lois is actually taking place 14 years into the future. Could be. (laughs) And just simply won't connect. (laughs) Yeah. My question is about like, when they did the crisis, why didn't they make it so it was like, at the end of all of the shows instead of near the end of several of the shows. So it's like, hey, we rebooted the universe and we have one season left. I'm like, cool. None of anything you've built up is going to factor into any of this because we don't know if any of that actually happened anymore. Yep. Supergirl's entire relationship with- Wait, does Mod L even exist anymore? That's a question. (laughs) We know the actor's around because he's the dad of the uh, pregnancy. As for the character- that's a question as to whether Monel might show up again. Maybe in the finale. Yeah, whatever the finale is. They just made Lex Luthor several gods and took that away. And they fixed a lot of things. And I don't know what they're going to do from here. They have a lot of freedom. And I just hope that the season was written primarily knowing it was going to be the last season. Or at least that they can adapt it very well for that. Because it gives them a lot of freedom to change the world more. Right. And it gives us uh, potentially a great ending that they should be able to do. So time will tell. Mm-hmm. Right. There is potential for the Phantom Zone to have more of an effect on Earth this season, since we're starting out with Kara there and with unknown aliens also there. They could be evil, they could just be tragically exiled and not deserving it, and then we'd get another refugee plotline, and they could bring in something entirely new next episode or two. I I do really hope it's not all a rehash of Lex breaking out and then they have to fight Lex again. I really want there to be more to this season than just that. Did he just die and stay dead? (laughs) No, it's a comic book. (laughs) That's frustrating. (laughs) You know, not that John Cryer isn't great and his scenery chewing isn't great, but, you know, we've had that for two seasons now, basically. And yeah, I'm ready for something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Phantom Zone should be interesting because it's like a big prison, right? It's full of people that the House of L put there, so they'll presumably recognize the logo on Kara's mm. costume and know that she is from the family that put most of them there. Yep. Also, I think this is our first time getting a chance to see the Phantom Zone, really. And, like, there might have been a trip there before, but we've never really gotten to explore it. Did anyone recognize the humanoids that were approaching Kara? No, they looked unfamiliar to me. I didn't associate them with anything. I was just like, hey, they kind of look like vampires, the Nosferatu vampires. Or the tough vampires in later Buffy. Yeah, they had dead white skin and kind of craggy 
heads. Yeah. That could just be aliens. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that about wraps it up for this time. I've certainly enjoyed getting back together with y'all and talking about Supergirl. Fun to talk about the relationships and everything, and even the science that makes us sigh. (laughs) (laughs) Just just sitting there like, that's not how that works. (laughs) Or really? Really? You could hand wave anything and that's what you're going with. And we can look forward to more journalism talk uh, in this season, so we'll have that. That's right. Are we going to see Kara actually doing her job for once? Nah. No, because she'll be off scene. Maybe we'll get to see William and Nia doing their journalism jobs. True. I think it's cute that they still care so much about print newspapers in this universe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when Andrea said, we have a paper to put out, I did wince just a little bit. <laughs> in the world where VR failed. I think that was just a turn of phrase. I'm pretty sure most of it's digital. A metaphor. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I would really like to thank everyone who has listened to this episode. If you would like to continue the conversation with us, you can find us uh, on Twitter at SG Supercast and also on the Uncomparables member Slack. We're around, so talk to us about the episodes if you like, and uh, someone will assuredly answer. Now, of course, I would like to thank you, my co-hosts. Thank all of you for another fun discussion. Happy to be here. I'm just happy I got to join it. Fist you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, I'd like to thank The Incomparable for hosting us. All right, and we will be talking to you again later. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.